about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hey there, Sonny Tim. Good morning, Ryan. Sonny Ryan. Hi, and hello everyone listening, whether it be good morning for you, good afternoon, good evening, good dead of night. This is Dismembering Horror. Welcome to Dismembering Horror, episode 92 of Dismembering Horror. It's the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right, Tim and I. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. One we've been wanting to see, one that caught our interest, one that was on a best of list somewhere, one that our favorite you told us to watch and wanted us to hear us talk about, one that we just wanted to talk about because it's interesting (laughs) and really it comes down to... This is how we uh, catalog films for ourselves, trying to capture the spirit and the fun of when you watch a horror movie with a bud and just wanna just wanna pick it apart afterwards, aka dismember it. That's what we're here doing. And today we are here to dismember from 2007, The Girl Next Door, which is not the Alicia Cuthbert movie from, I believe, a couple years earlier, which we've, we said in the last episode, definitely different films. Yeah. Slightly. But it'd be, it's <laughs> hilarious to imagine. I mean, I don't know if hilarious is the right word, but you got to imagine someone's tried renting the Alicia Cuthbert one and Emil Hirsch one and instead found themselves watching this. <laughs> God, I can, the, the amount of, just utter disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, before we, if you had anything else to say, I like to say it here. Um, newly released, uh, so it's available now for you. Is uh, I went on our friends' podcast, Retro Reviews, again, Tim, to talk about one of my all time favorite films, Beetlejuice. Whoa, Beetlejuice. So, hey. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we had Peter, who's uh, on Retro Reviews, come to here to join us and talk about Poltergeist 2. And now I went back there to talk about Beetlejuice. I had so much fun, Tim, as you can imagine. I got so excited. And uh, yeah, check that out if you want. You're interested in that. Just, you know, a little cross promo going on. There you go. You got Mm. anything on your end, Tim? Any beeswax? No. My life is... I cleared out some of the bamboo in my back area. Oh, that dying, yeah, yeah. I took I cut down all the all the actually dead, like clearly dead stuff. It's got some sort of disease or mold or bacteria or mite or something. Mhm. Really bad soil. So I've been spending mm. a lot of time looking at <laughs> looking at stuff about soil. Nice. Uh, for context, future listeners, a little, <laughs> that's all very exciting news uh, when you're spending life in quarantine and these that's are the right. kind of things we get up to. <laughs> what so do a little I have context. <laughs> yeah, as far as the big news in Tim's life, there are um, still special circumstances we're under here. <laughs> I know you'll make it beautiful, Tim. And Someday. I'm, I'm ex- Someday. excited to see it. Should we transition into <laughs> The Girl Next Door? Uh, the film? 
can I talk about something else just to, to like Tim. put it off? No, <laughs> which is exactly what you were just doing. I know. <laughs> Uh, Tib, this is a this is this is what we're doing here. We're watching. We're on a mission to see and find despicable things and report back on them mission for ourselves. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm. You know, it's just sometimes you just got to take the mission for what it is. Right. Um, I don't. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but I think is interesting to talk about as far as what the heck it is and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with that, shall we watch the trailer? <sighs> sure. All right. 2007, The Girl Next Door. One sound down here and I'll kill the both of you. Nothing in my life has been right since the summer of 1958. Time when even the guilty displayed a rare innocence. See anything? Not even a goddamn elbow. Hold it. Hold it. Wait, wait, wait. He wants to sleep over there again. What, next door? I'm Meg. I'm David. There are two young girls living at the Chandler's now. So? I hear you better. Oh, your cousin. Yeah, down by the rock. Cute too, ain't she? What's that? They were in an accident. Both parents died too. Mom says he must have died instantly. He's dropped by to get this David. She's something, isn't she? Mrs. Chandler must love having her around. Tent worms. I'll do this one, and you can do the rest, okay? I don't want to. David? Hey, Meg, how's it going? I haven't eaten in almost two days. This hates me. But I'll do it. I can't eat two anymore, bitch! Your sister is a goddamn bitch! Nothing I ever do is right. It doesn't sound like the roof I know. Not so fun when it's your precious sister getting slapped around. Teach you to pick on people. From Wikipedia, for some context, whether you watched the film with us or not, this film, The Girl Next Door, is also known as Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door, and in Germany, Jack Ketchum's Evil. It's a 2007 American horror film. It's a Jack Ketchum 1989 novel of the same name. The film is loosely based on true events surrounding the torture and murder of Sylvia Likens by Gertrude Benizevesky during the summer of 1965. But we're here to talk about the film itself. <laughs> and Tim, after that bit of a trailer, I'd love to know what both of us would rate this film per our rating system. Would you tell yourself to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? And listeners know I said, would we tell ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? This is the... Because uh, it's different. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. So you'd tell yourself to avoid it? I wouldn't just tell myself to avoid it. Like, I think that I need to punish myself for having watched it. <laughs> cool it was it, I just don't even know where to start so just I'm, another another thing I guess this is a thing of note but there's another movie based on this case uh, called that came out I think later with um, oh god what's her name she's great she was in The Cured 
Oh, Ellen Page. Yeah, so Ellen Page. It's called an American Crime. I haven't heard of it. Um, it's okay. I've seen it. I didn't. I don't think it was fantastic, but it makes this look. I mean, it looks amazing <laughs> compared to this. But the the case is really fucked up. Um, and I had this thought where I was like, "What are the worst, the worst movies we've watched?" And I and I figured out that there's a there's a thread between them. Yeah, we're gonna get into it for our episode 100. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, God, it's just so, it's so bad on so many levels. So yeah, it's a hardcore avoid. In fact, I would, I would encourage people to definitely not watch it for like, like just as a, do what you want to do, obviously. Like, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I'm some sort of authority on this, but like, I, I, I could not in any justifiable way, like, not say this is a bad movie and you shouldn't watch it because you'll never get that time back. Right. <laughs> you know, like I feel like I'd be doing the world a disservice if I allowed people <laughs> to to watch this movie. Now, I think I'm going to rate it one step higher, but <laughs> not in a way where I'm actually going to be defending it at all. Sure. Because this film more than any other yeah and uh, one higher meaning stream it because this film is i think stands out among all the films that we've watched where it's felt not so much like a mixed bag is the wrong phrase but things simultaneously being like having potential and sometimes interesting but then also just being terrible and awkward and i don't want to be here yeah like and i think like kind of exactly what we're doing here. Like this is one of those kinds of movies that I do just want to talk about and parse out to just kind Mm. of like grow as a filmmaker, hopefully, because I think there's, so I found that this guy, Jack Ketchum, uh, his, another one of his stories, the woman was like adapted into a film and I've seen that. And it's very similar, except instead of trapped woman against her will, it's like trapped feral woman, basically. I wonder if I've Um, seen that. And in both that film and this film, it's like there is a certain tonality that I have to imagine is sort of core in his work that just the films just really missed the mark in translating somehow. Yeah. So just just simply as just an interesting case and like I wasn't. I can't say I like I was totally bored watching it, even though I like, I was mad Ooh, at times. I was pretty yeah, I was bored at I mean I don't know. I just what? I just I it's it, a good indicator for me is how many times I look at the ceiling. <laughs> right. And this was a lot. Like a lot right. a lot where I just am like I just I have to look away and I just stare at the ceiling like what the fuck? Right. And see for me that what the fuck is like, well what the fuck is right. going on here exactly? Well, you know, it didn't quite push me to that mad place that <laughs> like, you know, you're at with this and, and Maggie and plenty of others put me at. It is, um, it, it just, I think that there's a limit for me where it's like, it passes beyond like frustration and into confounding like 
And that makes me mad because I just I I'm left not I just don't even know what to think anymore. Because and that from and, so many angles, I'm like I'm overwhelmed by the number of things that I could be like, how did we even get here? That's why I have to tell myself to stream it so I can talk about it because that confoundingness rather than being an off-putting thing is a draw for me <laughs> versus yeah. like yeah. Mandy uh, versus um uh what's the one I just said Maggie um, and the cu- the cured feeling like we could just so easily kind of like just say this was you know which we can still do with this like say what's bad but just there's something about this like a conflicting missing the mark in this that's that stands out or that makes them different yeah and i'm just i want to be a little less confounded hopefully by the end of this discussion (laughs) good luck (laughs) (laughs) hey tim we always get there in the end that's right so all right all right well next after our rating is the summary fuck Okay, well, like, as as you said, this is based on the Sylvia Likens case. Um, I mean, maybe, does do you need context for that? I'm mean, not really. No, because within the, the movie, I didn't movie, know that right? turning on the movie. Yeah. Okay, With, so. We get, we get fucking William Atherton from <laughs> Ghostbusters. Jesus as, Christ. <laughs> like, modern day Wall Street guy. Yeah. Who's, even though we're... I'm already putting my prejudice on it, but it's like, <laughs> even though I only want to see him as a bad guy, I don't know why they'd cast him. He like helps a homeless person who's hit by a car and then pulls out a, a kid's drawing. And then we jump back to whatever happened in that summer back in the fifties. And that's where we are as far as our story then unfolding. I, mean, I just got to set up our wraparound. Even, even, oh, all right. I remind me to get back to the, when we talk about the movie, the the opening, because I have even the the first two minutes of the movie are confounding. But anyway, okay. So here's the movie. Davy is a kid in the fifties, <laughs> and the family that lives next door to him is a mom who lets the kids smoke and drink beer there's like four boys who live there and their cousins move in because they're cu- who are two girls and their cousins parents have just died in a car accident that's why they move in one of the cousins the younger one has polio and has n- leg braces on and so needs help and the other one is a teenager she's I don't even know if they ever say how old she actually is, but she's probably 18 or 17 or something like that. So Davy, the neighbor, takes a shine to her. And and she takes a shine to him. Yep, yep. And we learn that the family is fucked up. They're just a bunch of fucking, like, they're just fucked up. Like, the mom, let, like I said, lets them drink beer and smoke and kind of do their own thing. And it's, like, four boys, and they play games in the woods, like, you know, that are a little sketchy and weird, like, with the neighborhood girls. And so the, the, Yeah, how about just weird? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole family is just clearly a little fucking off. And then... Eventually, we learn that the 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 older daughter or the older cousin, whose name is Meg, the mom Ruth really you know she's really giving her a hard time 
She's just a being a fucking asshole to her. And like doing that abusive thing where it's like she's basically telling her that she's a fuck up and a whore and like, uh, you know, a seductress and like just treating her like dog shit. And this kind of just dominoes into eventually the whole family like throwing Meg down in the basement and tying her up and, and torturing her endlessly. And Davy, the neighbor, <laughs> kind of just like goes along with it even though he he doesn't like it he's trying to like i think he's trying to like figure out how the hell to yeah. stop it without you know ruffling knowing the threat at large yeah i i mean i could tell you how <laughs> and he didn't do it he didn't do it <laughs> right he had about 50 opportunities <laughs> right <laughs> anyway so <laughs> So they torture her until she dies. The end. Yeah. Which is true. Is it, I was only feeling watching it like this would, I could see this being a much better book. <laughs> no doubt. I think, yeah, maybe. Well, no, meaning like stories like this, they're it, yeah, terrible, yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not inherently adverse to them. Like I think it's, they're when done well, they're super interesting. And well, I think to like delve yeah. into the psychologies behind, yeah, like especially the aunt. Like I can imagine just right. what Ruth. a character you could make out of Ruth in a in a book, yeah. you know, or a better film. Yeah, in a better film, I think one thing you could do is not just have ninety minutes of her monologuing. <laughs> right. That's a good. Uh, that's a good transition to um, <laughs> whatever we have next. As far as a, st- a distinct did not work. And in order to get to what did not work, we have to first get out of the way what worked. So can we can we do that? We can try. All right. <laughs> All right. First section. Here we are. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? Okay, Tim, I know everything I'm going to say, you're going to want to say like, yeah, but that doesn't matter because, and I (laughs) also want to do that because as I said, like, this is the most for every, like, like most conflicting, I don't know, aspects, traits, whatever in a film I feel like I've, I've ever seen. It's crazy. But to get out some simple ones out of the way, I thought it was like well shot. Like had the movie been a better movie, I would have actually been able to be engrossed in it as taking it as a like realistic situation Hmm. because you know there's there's a a lot of it's um well i mean yeah i mean one of the things that's so weird about it but we have no in-between section this is going to be hard is uh you see they're going in a in a certain extent avenue for realism you know like in a like again like in a certain extent that is a leg of the pool that they are in and how it is shot, um, they could have done it. Um. <laughs> God, I just want to argue with you. Yep. Like, I want to argue against that. But go on. Luckily, we have a section for that, so hold that thought. Yeah. Um, I'm, a- well, I'm actually, and- you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take notes of what you're saying in this section. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, you know, if 
I have a counterpoint. I, I need to I need to have notes. So you, the first one you said is well shot. If, Got it. Uh, if the goal is to oh, right, right slash realism. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. Um, and if you'd give me an opportunity to to give counterpoint myself, <laughs> I'd appreciate. Totally. That. We have something to work from. Okay, but now some some deeper things that like again like in a better movie inherently worked but were in this and at least gave me a little something to chew on was like that same horror that we got talked about in 2000 maniacs that is just like yes. probably one of the most the scariest things i is i when... agree i agree with that as a conceptual horrific theme right so aunt ruth lecturing them about truths quote unquote Right. You know, and just saying things to the extent where she'd always fall back on this is the way the world is. Like, yeah, it's like you that, said, that, that insane that certitude attitude thing is really yeah. exactly like it's just how do you not see that? Like she could just not or, or it's like you just want to scream at her or you could just not force me to eat dry toast after torturing me and not <laughs> feeding me water. Um, yeah, which I, yeah. I, you know I what? Used... That I I like. I actually like that. In a way, I like that's the one element in this whole movie, and specifically the toast scene kind of encapsulates it. But that particular type of abuse is so upsetting to me. It's the like. I'm going to abuse you. I'm going to I'm going to shove dry toast in your mouth which I know you don't want. So I'm 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 inflicting this particular abuse that is abuse. And I'm doing it specifically to get you to have an adverse reaction so I can blame you for not appreciating me. That is right, some of the most twisted sadistic shit that you could that anybody could ever go through right and then that carries through in the scene with like then the ruth breaks the the tea thing and then she says to um what what is the the girl's meg Meg. she says to meg like look what you did right and then she also said uh meg's like oh i'll save it for 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 later i'll finish it later and she's like well then we'd get insects and bugs down here just like that like she also says that that you know how much tea costs (laughs) which is like the maybe that might be the most insane thing that anybody (laughs) has said in this entire movie do you know how much tea costs yeah nothing Tea is like one of the cheapest, cheapest things on the fucking planet. But we're it in just, Ruth. That is the insanity. But we're on planet Ruth. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and that's th- and that's what's terrifying. And and I think I said that toast example because that is like one of the ones that, you know, yeah. d- did it better. Um, the You know, her always bringing in her younger sister was just, just such a like disturbing threat yeah. really really got to me and then this is kind of where i was like i can imagine it being a better book but like the specificity of like what she oh god this is so of her of like what she burned into her her abdomen which oh, was sure. like um i fuck fuck me was what she wrote wow. and yeah that yeah. that's just the kind of thing where it makes it not like a like a um 
I don't know. It's not like an Eli Roth movie or like a whatever, you know, Rob mm-hmm. Zombie, like whatever. It's not like a slasher movie at that point. Again, that just has that kind of specificity where I just buy this insane woman. Like that is the phrase that comes right, up in right, her mind. Right. You know, so I feel like that probably, I don't know, maybe that came from the real life case. Um, I believe but, it did from, uh, because um, I, 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 when that was the moment in this movie where I, I had had the suspicion the whole time that this was that uh, that this was loosely based on that same case and when that moment happened i was like oh this is definitely that case cuz i remember that from the case and i remember it from the other movie that's about this case right so yeah and i kind of want to back up a second a rating tim like there is the part of me that like wants to to say avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, but where I come down to is, you know, from a filmmaking aspect, yeah. no, I still want to want to stream it. Um, but but what I will say is like, do not You're pay wrong, money for that. But I get it. <laughs> no, no, but no. <laughs> let, let me, what I was actually getting to though is like specifically how I feel is I I still or the thing I do feel strongly about though is still what I'll say no matter what is like I hate the idea of giving money to this movie when oh you have God. something that's that's dealing like with subject matter yeah. that's real and sensitive like this but then you it's hard when it's not good filmmaking like you think you know they they tried but when it comes down to it Did they? it's that's what that I mean that was the confounding sorry, I'm, I'm part giving, to me I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt sure. you know yeah yeah I I think by the level of production and aspects they did, and it's just weird. <laughs> but right, but that's um that's where I just feel like I, I don't know if it's a if it's a better film. I somehow feel like you know, and it's doing something with the story. I'm okay with it. Or if the genre is something more like just pure exploitive and knows it is, you know, almost yeah. in a way. And it's just like it's just saying, hey guys, it's just the story. It's not trying to deal with this in any realistic way. But here, I'm just like, it makes me feel gross, the idea of it, like, supporting it when it's a bad movie about a horrible thing. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> there's there's definitely a... I don't know what section we could put this in, but it, it I feel like it's incredibly insulting to the fact that this happened to a real person. And that this is yeah. this is the attempt, the filmmaking attempt to depict that feels and really, it, I, really wrong. I think I it was I almost then that just puts me in a weird spiral too, where it's like then I feel this outpouring of just you know, wanting to feel like respect and acknowledgement for these real people. Um but, but but then knowing that this is what they are being given and it's it's just it's weird so it's like yeah. it gets me to at the same time think about them but at the same time i, I don't know it's yeah. all but anyway i just i think problematic i, I, think I, wanted I think to say is it. the word that uh we could yeah. apply to this <laughs> um i guess i felt like saying it here because just because we're in the what worked section maybe i'm just over clarifying uh sure it's not mean i'm defend defending it um and as far as just though, you know, on a, I guess if films, you know, like this are just supposed to evoke something like difficult things, the, of course, like the, you know, dwelling on the mental abuse, this, this person and the sort of long-term repercussions that even David, you know, goes through here, we see because um, Meg didn't live. Um, the physical abuse to something about it in this, like, especially got to me and like, 
an affecting way of hmm. just, especially just a younger person just sure. having their body maimed and disfigured and just thinking like, even though, you know, our, our mental scars are always with us, there's always, you know, I feel like that opportunity for, for some kind of embracing and da, da, da. And, uh, and I don't know. And when you see it happen with physical abuse too, and it's overcome, it can be like, especially powerful and like seeing them embrace it, go for whatever. But I don't, I just, as far as, yeah, again, affecting in a horror movie mm -hmm. way, that physical abuse is like really got to me. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put that on my list here. Yeah. Um, I think here's, here's the one sort of, bro it's super broad. And I don't actually think that this movie accomplishes any of this, but <laughs> they, they're knocking on the door, I think, of a really kind of interesting thematic uh, construct or context, I guess, which is the 50s was a really fucking weird time historically in the U.S. Um, and very much like Stand By Me does, you show where you had the opportunity to show. No, they do it. They show it. They try to show it. That there's this... There's the perceived world and the sort of... Uh, the fantasized about world of like everything's cool and everything's great and nuclear family and blah, blah, blah. And like the you know the good humor man gives you ice cream and it's summertime and we're kids and there's an innocence to all that and then you have reality which is kind of like davy's family and like mm -hmm. nothing's great about that family it's all a little strained they don't really communicate the parents kind of have weird world views that are at odds with each other and oh then yeah when he yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, like he, the, when he asked the dad about, is it okay to hit a woman? <laughs> like, right. And the dad, like, kind of justifies it, but, like, has a rationale. And you can even see in that there's this sort of, like, oh, fuck. Like, the world is just doesn't but then know he end, what to do with itself. And then he ends, yeah, exactly. And then he ends with, though, but David, you should never do it ever, 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 no matter what. It's like he's simultaneously trying to justify his generation doing it. But then right. saying it should never continue. But then Which his is interesting. But, right. But his ultimate point is you should never do it so that you stay out of trouble. Right. Mm. Which is a weird like that's a weird caveat. It's not <laughs> it's not you shouldn't do it because it's implicitly implicitly. No, inherently wrong. You shouldn't Both. do it because you don't want to get in trouble. I actually Those... don't remember my my read on his end delivery when he said like, but if you ever do it was like him acknowledging it's inherently wrong. But anyway. that's in there. That's definitely in there. But there's this weird fucking caveat. <laughs> I don't remember the caveat. It's in the trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's fucked. I mean, so so all of that stuff is actually pretty fertile ground to 
till, <laughs> theoretically. Because um, the third thing would be you have this underbelly, this kind of dark, real, potentially real. I mean, it is real. We know it's real. It was based on a real fucking story. The shit people, human beings do awful, awful things to each other. Some some human beings. And that's a reality. And when you put that up against the facade of everything's just peachy, mm-hmm. you've got some you've got somewhere to go. Like you've got stuff to explore. And I think the movie tried in their filmmaking to depict that. So that's about as far as it, I can like commend in that the <laughs> yeah. attempt is there. So the theme and trying to explore that theme works. Yeah. The execution is trash, but like, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, I, and some, some of these things actually, like I can't mention the good without mentioning the bad. Cause I know, like, yeah. I, um, I thought the escalation again, like this, all paradoxical stuff. The ex- escalation was both fast and gradual. Right. So yeah. any moment where I felt it was gradual was the good and fast was the bad, but gradual being like, um, when they're playing their weird game in the forest, which is like so weird. <laughs> and they brought out a snake and like, were put it on her. It was, that was just kind of like that subtle, subtle, just like, upping an ante in a weird, interesting way, but, um, felt, yeah, felt, felt like good, good placement. Um, and then I think, you know, there was something to the idea that the very first time her down in the basement, like David was just taking it all in versus, you know, immediately screaming for help. Sure. Like, I, I feel like that is the realistic yeah, more, like thing that yeah. happened, like because you're surrounded by all these kids you just befriended, and who's supposed to be an authority figure, yep. and you always take them as like you know I these are people I I want to trust and should. And I think that um, that as an exploration is a really interesting place to go. Yeah, like how because um, I mean <laughs> just from a just from a, a storytelling point of view, if you can put your protagonist in a position of conflict that is a mirror to the conflict <laughs> that's good right and you can explore that you can see the cuz in other words the metaphor is is that Meg is literally trapped and Davy is figuratively trapped right that's a very mm-hmm. straight on basic metaphor that exists in this and that's something to explore as a as a storyteller but let's explore it right like you gotta you gotta do something with it right well i mean yeah and i guess it's what and, well sure it's, there, it's, there are moments objective. moments that happened moments that happened upon that i guess where it allowed me to mm-hmm. think those things that mm-hmm. you want to be thinking yeah um and yeah the, the rest of this the short list of other things again they'll they'll also be on what did not work but like the way that it was that clash between cartoonishness and realism, like I, whether this is where I'm just, this is where I'm most confounded, um, whether it was intentional or not. 
is uh, at times it worked to make me feel disconcerted in a way that I could say like, you know, was effective in a horror movie. Again, whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. And it wasn't worth what was bad about it. But they're just really interesting times where I could have seen like, I felt like that that awkward middle ground of that is maybe at the core for me, like what's so bad about it. Mm Mm-hmm cartoonishness and and realism clashing but like i could see in a more deliberate hands that being like a really interesting just kind of approach you know and so sometimes again it just kind of happened upon these moments like like i'll get like like ruth's the woman who played ruth her performance like i was always every for every time i was thinking this is ridiculous and over the top and cartoonish i was thinking she has a presence and an intensity that's uh, that maybe wouldn't be working the same way if the dialogue wasn't mm-hmm. if if the dialogue wasn't as um much basically as it should be it felt like the dialogue would be chopped in half in um, half woo <laughs> yeah it's, as least. you said she just go on yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So these weird things going on. And then, um, yeah, and I guess I just said it too. Dialogue uh, it had this weird deliberate quality to it that mostly is just made me feel horrible. But at the same time, also gave me a disconcerting feeling where I felt like if it was intentional and it, it could be better, but just happened upon these moments. Uh, mm-hmm. or I still happened upon these moments that like affected me in the way that you would want from a horror movie, whether they were intentional or not. So it feels weird to say it as a compliment, which right. I'm not. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we can move on now. Well, to I want to say work. one thing in, in our transition <laughs> to what didn't work. Okay. Because in the hands of a good filmmaker the 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 attempts at this sort of weird lens of the 50s and you know the like i was talking about before the sort of the facade world or like the the cheat let's call it like the cheesecloth world right like you put a cheesecloth over it to make it look a little softer and nicer is that an old, too old of a reference for people? <laughs> Do they know what I'm talking about when I say that? <laughs> I know what you're talking okay. about, but I don't know the specific reference. I've never used a cheesecloth in person. Right, right. so a cheesecloth, <laughs> just, just in case. In old, old film, like, you know, the 30s and 40s or whatever, they would, a cheesecloth is like a very thin membrane, essentially, that you would literally... Although these are, I think they didn't use actual cheesecloths. Maybe they did. But it's how you drain the moisture from ch- cheese. It's, it's, perf- yeah. it's perforated. I didn't, right? know, I, I didn't know what an original it's use like a was. Stra- it's like a strainer type thing. And you, you can drain it and then you can keep the cheese. You tie it up and you keep the cheese in there. That's what cheesecloth is. So they would put it over a lens or a very like sub uh, uh, material they'd put over a lens to literally soften the uh, the the image of of actresses in particular in the early days um as like a diffusion right and it, and it has a very specific look it's kind of it 
we've talked about we've mentioned this in other movies that we've watched where we've been like look at that effect it, like sometimes it looks really cheesy and sometimes it looks amazing like ha 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 uh, yeah uh, David Lynch, for example, uses it in Blue Velvet for to very like a very specific effect to make us feel that that era and that sort of like weird, soft, lit glossiness uh, over the world. So this leads me to the point of like in the hands of a really good filmmaker and a really like extreme sort of artistic mind. I can see the the those two things the 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 disgusting darkness of this reality and the cheesecloth-y sort of uh not fantasy but sort of just like <laughs> uh, what what's what am I trying to say the the like idealized world idealized world in the hands of somebody like David Lynch or Paul Verhoeven or, oh, God, I don't even know who, who else comes Any to Any satirical filmmaker, yeah. Right. Would be, they would take this and do some fucking crazy shit. And I, and I think it would, it would service the film. And I think that these filmmakers or whoever was in charge of this particular one thought or was attempting to kind of do that. And just doesn't understand if you're going to do that, you have to go, you have to go full in. And so you get, you get what we're about to talk about, which is a mess, like a, a a disjointed, like what world are we in? (laughs) I'm I'm confused. Why isn't this quite what did not work? Why is this something you have to set up before the section? I, I just feel like, the attempt is, you know, I don't know. Maybe it should just be in what didn't work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm just bridging the gap here. Here we go. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> Well, I mean, I just kind of come off of what you're saying as far as the um, the stand by me feel of yeah, and that acknowledgement like show show the good and then show the underbelly kind of thing. It it felt like kind of like when we watched Evil Ed, and you just know there's some kind of like cultural disconnect with totally. what they're showing. Like it was it was the weirdest thing to him and this is just on one of the levels in which I just was confounded by like what what it, why isn't this working here exactly? Like you had the the the, the typical looking kids with the 50s haircuts walking down the sidewalk drinking cokes together. Yet I could tell it just felt like this was made by people who had no idea like what that actually was don't have any kind of connection to it nor do they successfully research or channel it i don't know it just correct and i couldn't even tell you why like if you stowed me you know a three second clip from stand by me that's essentially the same of them walking and talking and then something from this why one would work and why the other it's for me it's always like the the level i i think of things where it's just imbuing a certain something that then is in the end product, you know, I, I, I think that I think there are specific things that you can grab. 
Yeah. Um, there's but yeah, such a disconnect. Like it was like it was for weird. example. I mean the pff, the dialogue is so not it, it it's such a it the the whole movie actually to a certain degree to me feels like an idea of how things were with right. without any actual connection it's exactly what you're saying but like the dialogue yeah. is so clunky in its attempt to to recreate an idea well, it Which feels is such like a if, problem, right? Like we're already it, yeah. too many steps away from anything that's real. Not only does it feel like a distant imagination for how the 50s felt and looked, but it felt like a distant imagination for how humans talked. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and spoke. Right? Like you didn't like, even get that part right. You probably heard it in the trailer, but just like when he's talking to his mom, it's just something about Dude. it's just weird. It's just so weird. I don't know. Yeah, it it it's so off base. And here's here's just a really fine detail. I don't know this for sure. But let's just assume I was the costume designer for this movie. And I wanted to put kids in period clothing. I'm probably not going to put one of the kids in fucking cargo shorts. Mhm. Not because Cargo shorts may or may not have existed then. I mean, certainly if they didn't exist then, I just don't personally know if they existed then. But because they do not represent the 50s to us contemporarily. They represent the 90s. And so why the fuck would you put your lead character in clothing that doesn't sort of uh, evoke the era and they did it a bunch of times right like there are times when i'm just like half of these people are in like what seems like pretty accurate potentially accurate period clothing and half of them just look like they b- grabbed a shirt and like some shorts from jc penny yeah and it's like dude what what are you doing i mean right. and that's true for so many things in the movie right like you said the snake it's like what it's it's like right. they just it, it it reeks it just reeks of impulse without any further thought. I don't know so much impulse, but as just like oh you know what'd be cool break... is like get a snake. It's like no, well, I feel what like that's and why, why. Well, no, I I thought that was like a specific interesting detail that I think could have been made to work. For me, it's less like. Um, following an instinct and not thinking it through, but just not thinking it through like period, like, like, okay, maybe let's say this book gave us this moment with a snake and then they don't, they don't have like some kind of opinion or deeper understanding or again, it's just really not coming how it's not coming through on a certain level. It's just, uh, it's so fucking like half-assed and clunky to me throughout. I mean, for me, it's it's I, it all ties. I already said it ties to me for that. It's that middle ground of is it? It's like cartoonish yet realistic, mm-hmm. and that's in that clash in there is just what made this so horrible. Like, yeah. like, like even David's like performance. I thought it was actually pretty good. And like same with the girls. Like yeah, compa- compared to, I don't know the the parents all of the brothers <laughs> the are adults. horrible, right? Um, like there, 
I, it's so hard to even like describe. There's this weird thing that happens in acting. It also exists in filmmaking, but in acting, God, I don't know how to describe this. What we consider bad acting by and large is people putting on an idea of how somebody acts. That's And that's not acting. That's not acting. <laughs> that's bad acting. And oftentimes, if you tell somebody to act badly, they will then actually perform in a way that is more true to the circumstances because by acting badly they're actually just they're using their sort of instincts and just going with it which almost always ends up being more interesting than that what their idea of how somebody in the situation would act because well, they're no longer it's thinking them. about yeah. it it's exactly it's, it's them just kind of reacting which is I think generally a little bit more of the root of what you can develop as an actor to become a good actor. And this movie just felt like <laughs> they, there are really good actors in this movie, like acclaimed actors in this movie. There's, there's a handful of them. They went on to do really good shit. And it feels like a director said... Stop doing that stuff. Don't do good. Don't do what they would probably, the actors probably were like, this is good acting. Like, don't do that. Do, do the, the you're in the fifties, you know, you got to go like this, blah, 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 blah. You know, like it, it just, yeah. it, it's all, it's so fucking bad. It doesn't think to me, like, it doesn't seem to me like a director would, who'd, if this film didn't read to me like it, it was a director even making that decision. It felt like to me, the dialogue like was just lending itself to that kind of performance more so. Like, yeah, I can see that. You just you just got to hear them talk the way they do. It doesn't it's not like a perform, performance choice. I'm like, "Oh, this sounds exactly how you'd say this horrible dialogue." I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> Excessive nobody dialogue. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge problem, right? Like nobody talks like that. And let's say, I mean, that's not true. Somebody talks like that. But some that somebody who talks like that is such an is such an interesting character in and of themselves that we it becomes less about what they're saying and more about just that they're a weird character but this is doing the opposite it's taking a bunch of people and saying here's a cookie cutter idea of what a, a character is now say these lines that nobody would say anyway yeah like every time I'll one of the kids was like called her a bitch i was just like that kid has never said the word bitch in his life like he doesn't even mm -hmm. know what's coming out of his mouth and so mm -hmm. it's just stilted and horrible it's like the woman who plays aunt ruth is a fucking emmy award-winning actress <laughs> no joke like she won a fucking emmy she for a movie about the holocaust or a miniseries about the holocaust called holocaust she's a very good actress and what it shows is that, and we, you know, we be people in the industry in, in my life have been saying this forever. You cannot shine shit. You cannot act your way out of bad writing. You can come close sometimes. Like really fantastic actors can just basically say, I'm just going to be me 
And fuck the words. The words don't matter as long as I'm doing something within myself that like is interesting. Yeah. And that that is a that is a fucking talent. You know, no, I, I and I, there I are think people I agree who can with do you. that, but you cannot I, shine this shit. I think I agree with you more now, too, as far as there are plenty of directorial decisions in there as far as like just the fact that she's smoking her cigarette and standing a certain way, you know, things like that, that just make it feel again, cartoonish yet like realistic. It, like Tim, have you, it feels lazy to me a lot of the time too. Yeah. So it makes me wonder about like how many takes were any of these actors given? Right. And that's, you know, that's directing, right? Like if you're if you're okay with the take where the oldest brother or neighbor or whatever is smoking a cigarette that is not fucking lit and takes a drag and nothing happens and you you're just like, yeah, whatever. That's that's on you the director or at 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 the very least on the continuity person to be like, we should do that again. Yeah, right? Like that's just bad filmmaking. Yeah. I'm trying to think too, just more that that disconnect of when it's. I, I, I'm just fascinated by it. like its attempt at it feels like to be, like uh, like something that we just watch and we're taking it at face value as reality. Like I'm trying to think of other stories like this as examples. We're gonna watch one I put in our hat called The Vanishing, which is one of my favorites. I've heard actually, of the I don't um, remember if I've seen it. But I'm trying to think, even with despite it's like hokey music, I think oh. uh, Henry Porch, Henry Porter of the Serial Killer does it for me. Sure, sure. You know, Here, here's actually there or like a Michael Haneke movie, you know, something where it feels like it's trying to do that. But at the same time, it's just so clearly not succeeding. I, I think I, I think that there's a moment that encapsulates what we're talking about, which is kind of like. The moment of the movie when she writes the, you know, carves the words into her. The the execution of that is some of the the most illogical and just wrong shit. So so hopefully a lot of you did not watch this movie, so I'll walk you through it. So she decides to carve. What did we say it was? Uh, uh, you fuck. I can't remember what the fucking. Line I is. fuck. Fuck me. I fuck. Fuck me. Right. So she car. So the Aunt Ruth carves that into the stomach of the of Meg, the girl who's being tortured. In the execution of that scene, they take. What is it? It's it's like a piece of. It's like a fucking paper clip, like an unwound paper clip. It's a it's a hairpin. Okay, a hairpin. Sure. Yeah. So it's a piece of metal. She heats it up with a like what a blowtorch or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which by itself, who the fuck has well, blowtorches laying around? Yeah. That's weird. Then, in the actual carving of it, she's not being burnt. She's being cut. Like, she's bleeding bright red blood, and that's what we're seeing carved. That's that's just not how it would work. Like, none of that matches up. Right, so it's... It's, it's in the... It's wrong. So, so I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about what you just said um, as far as who owns a blowtorch, you know? <laughs> right. And it's the fact that in this movie, 
the you and I, when she pulls out the blowtorch, you can have it. So the filmmaking acknowledges that we might go, oh, whoa, a blowtorch. But this movie just doesn't no. do that. And it, it, it can come down to such specificities that how you just, just how it's shot, how it's cut, like all these things. But it's just not there. Um, it's, wait, so why, it's, why this scene for you? Yeah. Because just the idea that in the scene that is the like the kind of the climax of the torture in a way even though they punt on it and they make the the blow torching of her clit of her clit like of her genitalia is is the bigger sort of holy shit but in the execution of the carving which is we see it we actually watch it happen it is incorrect right like a heated up piece of metal would not do what it does to her stomach in the film. Like what we watch it do is incorrect, right? So somebody was okay with that. Like the director, I mean, the director was okay with that. The director said, hey, let's show this heated up, like let's show Ruth heating up a piece of fucking metal and then use that to carve words in, but carve words into her as if it were a knife cutting into her. Like, that's wrong. That's not how it fucking works. And, like, then if you can't execute it in any way that's close to fucking reality in a movie about torture, don't show it. Like, what are, What the fuck are you doing? Why are you okay with that? To me, it, it, it really, really, like, crystallizes... Bad, bad directing. Because you just were okay with that version of it. That's fucking horrible. For and that's like uh, the climax. So, so I think the scene that encapsulates it for me, Tim, and it's it's basically what I what I just said as far as the uh, the blowtorch, how you acknowledge that. It is the tent worm scene. <laughs> So, bro, you that was that was my version. That was that that was my version of why does she have a blow porch? I freaked out when we just saw these. So I'm I'm a California kid. I'd never heard of these things before. I, I'm and they. I mean, I've when I where I grew up, they existed. This is this was like an alien creature to me, Tim. <laughs> like it's so weird when she was just like we see this canopy of trees with these like large. Like looks like spider web sacks. Yeah, except it goes, looks like fucking Halloween spider web. Like the sh- yeah, the cotton that you buy and for Halloween as a decoration. But that I don't know that. Like, well, I, I in real I've life seen them they before. don't look like that hacky shit. Well, Tim, there's actually 25 different subspecies of tent worms, which are caterpillars. <laughs> I looked out and that very, uh, they, they are very varied in their appearance. Oh, oh well, I'm um, sure. But anyway, so, so that's fine, right? If I've never seen them and heard of them and I go, what the fuck, tent worms? And then she proceeds to burn them. And that's, it's like again if this was i can imagine something in the book this being cool imagery a neat moment somehow met- metaphorical whatever not in this movie in this movie yeah it's like and and i'm just trying to like pick one scene as far as okay you, so you can have the the realism th- the side uh, yeah, that that if they if they were more going for that that means for me you sort of 
the oddness of this is acknowledged in the filmmaking by an observational standpoint. You know, it's being presented to you as this is just what's happening and the filmmaking you can see is kind of fascinated by it, but it's, it's, it, it knows it, the filmmaking knows then that it's weird or whatever because of just how it's observing it. And then you can also have then, let's say the more like deliberate subjective style of filmmaking, holding your hand, you know, so, you know, use those, those close-ups, you give us a, a cue, be more obvious with your shots kind of thing. I don't know, music. And it was, it was doing both yet neither is what this film is doing. And so it just made this whole scene just be like that feeling of being confounded by tent worms. Never. It was like, I was never being held that feeling. If that was my feeling going into the scene and the good filmmaking, it holds me, you know, coming from that place, whether I've heard of tent worms or not, you know, their appearance. Bro, five like, kids stand in a circle with fucking torches like sticks with like resin wrapped ends like they're like they're in like they're in the fucking you know voyage into king solomon's mind kind of bullshit like it's it's like a fucking episode of abbott and costello meet the mummy right like those are the torches you pull off the wall in a fucking pyramid like what are we doing and one kid holds one burning for the entire scene (laughs) <laughs> like he's uh yeah like bur- about to burn down Frankenstein's monster. Exactly. It it's it's confounding. It's just it's so you clunky. can have it though, makes no sense. It, it feels you, wrong. You can have though David being like just looking at them a certain way, the torches, and just being like sure. Uh, and then and then it because that actually plugs into Ruth's form of insanity. Like That's I just like exactly to, right. Th- this is this is what I view being correct is like taking these torches to these tent worm cocoons. Right, right. It's so <laughs> it's just so fucked. It, it, it's it's that weird thing of I I I imagine that <laughs> they're all like it, let's say there's somebody in that crew. Some voice of reason. <laughs> maybe it's one of the actors. Maybe it's just fucking somebody on set. Let's just pretend. Let's Tim. Let's pretend you're there on set as second AC doing the clap or whatever. Okay. And let's say well, I'm the first AD. First AD. Oh, first AD. Yeah. Right. Let's just say I'm the first AD. Before the scene even starts, I would be like, "Hey, Greg, the director." Why the fuck are they holding torches? Like, where did the torches come from? I'll be Greg. Do we know? Like, are we going to set that up in any way? Do we have a point of view on that? Because it feels a little bit out of place. Can I, I feel like I, to get somewhere here, I want to channel Greg. Can I do that? Okay. Oh, well, yeah, it was really interesting. It's the scene in the book. That's what, how they're described. It's what she uses. Right, but they describe it in the book, so we have context for it. So can we get a little context for it in this scene? No, context would ruin it. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be weird. This is just how Ruth is. Yeah, but we don't know that as an audience. We're just 
we're, we, we need to connect the dots a little bit in this scene. And we have the scene. The scene is really wide open. We could do whatever we want. So do you want to maybe like maybe we get a close up of David kind of like looking down at his we could do an insert. We could have him looking at his torch and kind of being like, what the fuck? Or or maybe before they even show up, we can see Ruth handing them the fucking torches and the kids kind of going, this is odd, right? Could, do you want to shoot that? Yeah, but you see, that's that's just not this movie. This is that would be holding the audience's hand here. <laughs> see, now I just really wanted to show it as it happened. Yeah, but we're just like entering into it out of nowhere. So you want to start with with the the worm baskets. By the way, they look hacky. Can we fire the fucking set director or decorator? <laughs> that's just how they look, man. Ugh, God. It's a fucking mess, dude. It really is. I feel like it's just a director being like, no, 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 no. It's fine. They'll get it. Well, yeah, which is which then <laughs> at least me too. I don't think the director had any interesting opinion on anything that happened in this real I know, life story. We talk about this a lot, right? It's like you fucking please have an opinion. You're making the movie. It's your movie. And we should also clarify to if your opinion is this is so complicated i don't have an opinion is an opinion exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> fucking ah well what about those points that i brought up earlier well it, i kind of covered so one of those. them right like the uh the branding just the 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 incongruity of that was is mind-boggling to me um where and that's in reference to your point about the torture you kind of enjoy you thought the torture like was evocative mm-hmm. I, I i the branding <laughs> yeah. kind of we got to that and i was just like all right whatever the whatever, idea of it was right, the, whatever collateral <laughs> you had built for me is gone like fuck you um the at that point i think i was just entertaining myself right. with <laughs> right. you know the hypotheticals. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah. Uh, the well shot, the realism thing. I mean, I think we kind of talked about this. It just, it's so middling that like it doesn't, it, I think that was sort of my Paul Verhoeven point. It's like, if you want realism, get make it really real. I'm literally talking about the the visceral quality, not the shots or oh, whatever, whatever. Okay. But like, because I think I it's think shot just, like, like the setups and the angles and the fucking lenses most of the time just are so nothing. Well, sometimes that so nothing lent itself to what was the, I think non-intentional, but still lent itself to an observational, you know, stance, but it was really just, I think I just tuned into the seeing that film grain and some like film artifice. And then you had some like lovely dusk shots and that just was, <laughs> that was like, for you. <laughs> yeah, as far as just, you know, looking at something, if this was shot yeah. on like when you see something shot on a video, but is trying to look like it's film sure, and sure. you're just like, I'm not into it. Like, uh, like however evil Ed looks, you know, just right. the quality of the image. I just okay. am not into the world at all. That's all I mean. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's all I wrote down so far. So whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I just hated it so much. I fucking hated it. I hated Why? watching it. It made me Why? mad. Why? <sighs> because it's just bad. <laughs> Why is it bad? Um, 
I don't I don't believe that this filmmaker has any actual grasp of fucking reality. And so what happens is you get like kind of what you're saying, you get this weird cartoonish at a distance. I mean, literally a lot of the shots are just like the room. I mean, just <sighs> the script, the script is fucking awful. Oh yeah, actually that was, I you know, remember I said I said escalation problem. I said the escalations at some points it was feeling good. There's that also just feeling awful where like all of a sudden she's like battered beyond recognition and we never see it. It's just sort of like, whoa, okay. Oh. I mean, I know there's an escalation in her torture, but how did we get here? Alleged, you know, there's a stuff whole like scene that. where she tries to escape that we never even see. Yeah, like, it just what? feels like we, what we skip over. What are we over. doing as storytellers in this? <laughs> That's what and, you right. picked, that's what you picked not to show and you <laughs> and you kept in the script pages just pages of monologuing. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? This is why I don't like I it makes me mad because that's what, what director fucking reads that and goes, "Yeah, man, this is going to be great. We're just going to fucking put the camera on this lady and listen to her drone on." What, at what point do you fucking think that a, an audience wants to sit through that and not because show escalation in the actual events? This movie told and didn't show more than any movie I've ever fucking seen. Well, you see, you see, Tim, this is the director, Greg, talking here. We got ourselves just a wonderful actress who just any time you can just show her doing her thing, it's it's going to be gold. Trust me. You I'm sorry, Greg, but you just you just misspoke because you said show her doing her thing. And I didn't you weren't showing me. You just had her talk. That's not showing me shit. That's that's just telling me the fucking story. Like listening well, to her <laughs> talk is not fucking showing me the story. And it's not showing me her performance by any fucking stretch of the imagination because she's just trying to fucking remember three pages of dialogue. Well, I, I thought it was, it was, you know, it was a eight glimpse times, into her insanity. Eight times in the movie I had to sit through her fucking monologuing. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. 91 minutes. Anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> Speak now, forever hold your peace, Tim. My God, I want to. This is this is where I know you listener oh, are just yes, like, well, what about a huge this thing that I've, I? <laughs> what was going on with the fucking lead girl's ADR in the first like ten minutes of the movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I I checked. I'm like, wait, it, was this originally shot in German or something? <laughs> like, I was dude, just... <laughs> it is some of the worst, most bizarre shit. It de I it doesn't even sound like her voice. It sounds like they hired somebody to to do a voiceover for her in a in a more girly voice because she, in actuality, was like a little bit older. Well, yeah, and then How at about... a certain point. The, then it becomes her actual voice in the movie. So I wanna, what was going on? This, though, Tim, it's such an interesting beast. Um, anything non-technical more, you'd say why this just did not add up to you, for you. 
Um, here's why it didn't add up to me because William Atherton doesn't fucking just kill himself at the end. Yeah. Oh, and th- those opening narr like that voiceover narration just felt so. Blech. And the end voiceover narration. It it when you when you move from one medium to the other. You know, you, this is a book that you're making into a movie. It's it's actually two two things removed, right? This is somebody's real life story that was made into a based upon novel. So they've cha- like it's not trying to actually be the real story. It's just taking elements, and then you're making that made up version of a real thing into a movie, made up version book of a real thing into a movie. It felt like the script was literally they just took the actual fucking dialogue from the book and just said, here, just do that. That's the script. That's the screenplay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not how it works. It never, ever fucking works. Know your medium, yeah. Like, that may be more than anything why this movie fucking sucks. Because it just... It, it, it's it's like the shittiest attempt at at <laughs> taking one thing and turning it into its own thing. It's it's just fucking garbage. Yes, but Tim, stop it! If that's Greg. Stop I believe it. that's your name. I don't know how you got here or why you're telling me how to direct my film, but you don't think these bookends are important just to show. This how this how it's affected David's life here. <laughs> Greg, fuck David. He's a shit. He could have fucking stopped it a billion times. So I don't feel sorry for him in any way as an adult who, by the way, William Atherton, rich fuck who lives in New York and has like a really nice house and sits around and sips on some fucking cognac at night. Fuck him. I don't care. Please, but he, please he have the end of the movie because it's not really fucking based on anything true. Like you're not trying to do an, an accurate depiction of a real thing. Please just have him fucking slit his own throat. Well, you see, I think, though, because we are close enough to the actual events, it would be disrespectful if I change something like that. <laughs> I quit. Greg, find yourself a new first AD. You fucking <laughs> hack. <laughs> oh, God. I like this game. Um, <laughs> Unacceptable. Okay. Well, I think we've covered it, Tim. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep wanting to delve, but I feel like we'll... Where? this exactly this i feel like this accomplished something for us and we will continue to sit on it and i feel like it's a good lesson learned which is why i'd tell myself to stream it It, i again this isn't a void film for me but i would tell myself to stream it to figure out what this is what what we're exactly what we're just trying to do which you listen to thank you for being here yeah um okay should we move on then yes all right, last section. We're not quite done with Girl Next Door. We got to see if there were any things of note. Things of note! 
This should be interesting. I mean, Tim, you know, I, I, I gotta love him, but he's he'll steer us right or he'll steer us wrong. I'm sure it was Stephen King's recommendation. I knew you were going uh, to say this. <laughs> Fuck. Put on here. Stephen, so, I fucking, I'm mad at you already and I can't remember why, but it's because you did this to us once before. He recommended, um, well, the one that I know um, was the other, the other one kind of like this, the, the Rape Revenge movie. But I thought that was, you know, pretty, that was solid. Um, the 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 house at the end of the block street corner re- remake <laughs> oh oh no that's true he did like that he was right about that one last house but on the left but there's an there's another one there was though. another one what the fuck was it whatever um anyway he said about I'm he said about him. this he said about this film quote the first authentically shocking american film i've seen since henry portrait of a serial killer Stop over it. 20 years ago no if you if you are easily disturbed you should not watch this movie if on the other hand you are prepared for a long look into hell suburban style the girl next door will not disappoint this is the dark side of the moon version of stand by me this is why stephen king is not allowed to direct things i mean really or puppet direct things right he fucking does not know what good film is. He doesn't. He doesn't know. He's just one of those people. He's the he guy. You know, I would it. equate him. He's like the guy who he, he. Well, you know, he's like a theater goer. He loves musicals, and he goes and he sees like the latest incarnation of Singing in the Rain, and is like, oh, I love it so much. It's like, fuck hey, you, that, dude. It's that's shit. me, Tim. I love Singing in the Rain. Yeah, and I would totally version. go see it on stage. Oh my god! I'm so just <laughs> fuck. No, I think it's interesting how he he seems to. Here's the thing: like, like we we touch on this before, like how much it's hard because we want to like put blame on him, but at the same time he could, I could see someone in his position putting the blame on us. Like you couple of snotty film, like whatever, whatever is like, you can't eat you, you, you care about all this stuff. Like, God, look what was happening. What about this scene? What about that scene? Like they, you know, you're, you're like looking at pure content. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to me because like there's, again, it's, it's that divide of like what takes you out of a movie or even more so than that. When can you just take something as face value as if you were a kid watching it? And if you are like a film person, like we are, that's a harder threshold, but that's what makes movies better is if movies can still reach us snobs, you know? But I would say Steven, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I said that too. But Steven, nobody liked this movie. Nobody saw this movie. It didn't make any fucking money. Not that that's like the all the be all end all metric, but like it's there is no metric that suggests that this movie is good. There none. Well, Tim, and this also, is Steven. Shut up, Steven. Have... I'm talking. Also. <laughs> It didn't make me feel good. Good movies, whether you like it or not, make you feel good, right? Like, make you feel something, like you enjoyed them. I didn't 
enjoy this. In fact, I fucking hated it. In fact, I wanted to fucking hang myself after it because it was so bad. So that's just an actual visceral response, right? Don't tell me that it, that's just the fact that I had a response, that that means it did its job. Because fuck you. That's not how it works. But Tim, what about my friends Cam Williams and Scott Weinberg's response? Do their response not matter? Do you know what they said about this <laughs> film, Tim? Oh, God. Scott Weinberg of The Horror Show says... It's a dark, harsh, sometimes powerfully unpleasant film, but it's also very well made. Steven, just so you know, you don't get to cite critics as your as your source of like whether or not something is good. You of all people should know that. <laughs> but then there's also Cam Williams who said a super realistic horror flick that's so relentlessly disturbing it's likely to trigger debate as to whether the filmmaker might have left too little to the imagination. Four out of four, says Cam Williams of Leader Newspapers, New Jersey. <laughs> the thing is, though, they're just individuals like us. Yeah, like no, we're, we're different realities at the same time. But I think what you're defending, and I, I think one of your your skills, Tim, is like there's there's a matrix of realities. It's as like a Ken Wilber thing of like the individual subjective, the group subjective of uh, subjective, and then like the individual objective and the group objective. Sure, yeah. And and those outer ones and group ones, I think you know is. It's kind of what we're talking about here, but we can't at a certain level, you know, still you can't ever invalidate someone's experience of no, watching something. No, definitely know? not. No, I totally agree with that. But what you can do is you can uh, you can aggregate the 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 methodology and the impact of good storytelling because it's the one constant we have as humans that has not really wavered much throughout it's all of history as in film terms though no i don't know no, in storytelling no, no, terms no no i wasn't asking i was i was saying like those it's oh. interesting how like things evolve though like mm -hmm. you look at the the litany of the horrible response when 2001 The Space Odyssey came out, you know, or, you know, any kind of Kubrick-like filmmaker kind of thing where you do have um, that objective, the, the group reality at the time. Sub the group subjective reality is that that was a bad movie, you know. Sure. And now the objective group reality is it's uh, one of the best films ever made. That's, r that's right. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> I think that's actually kind of proving my point in a way of what I'm talking about. Like this historic, to use your term, this sort of historic matrix of storytelling will show us over time what is good and what isn't. 2000, so, so in isolation, given the circumstances of who, what, when, and where you see a movie – you can be influenced away from the objective truth and, uh, you know, success, so to speak, of a movie. Yeah. But but over time, you can pull back and see what's what holds up, despite right. that. But what's fascinating to me this is like <laughs> this movie we watched will not and has not. <laughs> right. 
Which what's fascinating to me though is you can have like let's say Mr. Mr. King is, is here, and you know he's like you lay out all these like valid you know what you're saying why it's not going to be a classic critiques, and then you know I get you see someone who's like this film just being like okay yeah I see that I can see that. But then they always just come back to, but that doesn't matter to me. But that didn't matter. But that didn't matter. But that didn't matter. You know, that's that's just interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting, but it almost speaks to, I think, a bigger kind of egotism. Well, it's it's I think that the egotism is more so where we're coming from. See, but I you tr- yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But you what are you uh- Okay. We're, okay. Okay. So, sorry. Thanks. Because this is important. I'm, I'm saying using the term like so much we get wrapped up the term ego as like the bad thing, but I think it's the thing that's necessary for evolution and progression because it's the thing that allows us to exert ourselves sure. and, and want to aspire and, and move on. So our, our ego selves are the ones that have now formed opinions and uh, on on film and filmmaking and you know you could say it's a, f- a film snob thing that you know this movie can't affect you and you can't just whatever whatever but to think of that state of just being like like let go and just take something at face value that's what where we were at when we were kids able to watch mm. like ninja turtles on ice or whatever <laughs> and just be so into it like you know the story and <laughs> like that before kind of the the ego builds itself up in a way that then though in the end would allow us to have made you know as adults now a much much better ninja turtles on ice you know that captures that spirit that we tuned into as a kid but now and then and then you know and then things move forward but a a, a totally shitty ninja turtles on ice made nowadays you know kids still probably love it and that's right that's coming from it's because it's coming from that ego list like just accept things place you know i do and i agree but mine the next step i think is important which is understanding that and then using all of the things that you've learned about what makes something good from all angles and striving to find that balance within your art to actually consider the historical context of storytelling, to consider the kid who can look at something through this this totally sort of like tunnel vision lens and just love it for what it is, is a part of a broader thing that you should be striving to accomplish. You can never really get there, right? But like you can try to put all of those things into your storytelling to get people to feel something. And so often it seems that with the movies that we find bad, that it's not bad. We don't think they're bad because of our snobbery, but because we have context for things that have really, really like traversed that whole spectrum where we go, why the why the fuck is Star Wars good? The first Star Wars. Why is it good from everybody's point of view? Three-year-old to 90-year-old or whatever. Anybody outside of three and 90, like, they don't have an opinion as far as I'm concerned. Just just, <laughs> right. just okay, you, to I mean, let everybody you know. You always have those people, though, like my friend who goes, I eh, just don't like space things. That's right. 
but when you aggregate, you you get a sense of holy shit. There's a reason this is working, and then you go, okay, well, from a filmmaker's point of view, why? And then you go find out that Lucas was a was a nerd for Joseph Campbell, and you go, okay, well, who the fuck's Joseph Campbell, and what's he all about? And you read the Hero with a Thousand Faces, and you go, holy shit, like. This movie has the storytelling of humanity in it. That's that maybe that's part of why it's fucking good. And it's not the only reason, but it's a fucking big reason. So maybe try to strive for something like that where you actually consider the context of historical storytelling in your fucking storytelling. I just can't help but think when you talk about Star Wars and go Joseph Campbell because this film has humanity in it. I just think of like Boss Nass in episode one. <laughs> just oh like, how do we get? <laughs> oh my God. I know. Here to here. I know. It's because a bunch of other people who had really, really fucking fine tuned outlook on filmmaking were around George to say, you're close, but like, keep working on it. Here's here's where I'm at with it. This is the to title back how we're just operating all these different levels of reality. I saw episode one at the perfect age. I will forever like just love Boss Nass doing that. And for me, that is like just humanity incarnate, and I love it so much. <sighs> to tie it all together, <laughs> to, to loop it back around. That's fair. I just. When a film critic says a movie that is objectively bad is good, I just w- and I just want to be like, bro. That's why we're so careful on this show to set up like this is what we thought. This is definitely you know, but but when you read these poll quotes from a critic, this is this. This movie is this. And trust me, it's this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I I would even concede that I'm not saying that this movie is objectively bad. I'm saying it's subjectively the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well, you know who would agree with you is Neil Genslinger of the New York Times said, the kind of movie that makes you wish you could rinse your brain in bleach to wash all traces of it from your memory. <laughs> That's pretty good. One out of five. Um a couple things just on the fucking cast, by the way, like we mentioned a few of these people, but there are some really good fucking people in this movie. Michael Zegan, who is like the oldest of the of the bad dude brothers. I don't even think he's one of the brothers. I think he's a neighbor, but whatever. He's in the Marvelous Miss, Mrs. Maisel and is like he's like the main dude. He's an incredible actor. Um... Like I said before, the the woman who plays um, Ruth is is named Blanche Baker, won a fucking Emmy, right? Like William Atherton, like good actor. We all know him, right? Like the girl who played Meg, you know, she hasn't gone on to do anything of note per se, but she's pretty fucking good in the movie despite that weird ADR shit at the beginning. Um, You know, I mean... Most of these people have gone on to have careers. So it, 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 I think to me, it sort of just suggests what we said before. It's like, you know, they probably shot out of New York based on who these actors are. These are all, you know, New York based actors. It takes place in some suburb of New York. Um, the, 
you know, the talent that they had to pull from and the people they brought in is maybe the only success of this movie in my mind. And I, I didn't recognize any of them, but again, I thought like the, the everything that was terrible was no fault of their own. I could definitely, definitely see not. that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. I don't know. It's crazy. All right. All right. Anything other thing, noteworthy things for you? Um, I mean, if we don't fucking pull a movie that I really like, I'm, I might lose my mind. <sighs> wow, that's a lot of responsibility. On is shoulders. it your turn or is it my turn? It, it's my turn. And we got to do recommendations can... first. If, yeah, yeah. So let's get that out of the way. I recommend we're done with Girl Next Door. <laughs> I recommended um, a movie that, so talking about critics, is Roger Ebert's sole writing credit. You could say objectively, this is really interesting. It's objectively not a great film, but it's on the Criterion Collection because, and their 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 thing is more, is it like historically significant? Actually, I don't know if that's it. Artistically significant, whatever. <laughs> anyway, it's a Russ Meyer film, Ooh. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I uh, forget. I was looking to see if I recommended it before. I thought we talked about it at some point briefly. I feel like, yeah, I maybe mentioned it because I just rewatched it recently. I think we just Um, talked about it in reference to something else because you you were talking about Russ Myers. Yeah, Russ Meyer. Um, Meyer, Sorry. I... Like if if you haven't seen his movies, I mean, I I don't know what to say about them. They're like... It's like, like totally like like immature like kind of sexploitation, but like with this kind of I don't know, but this one this one it's like a parody on top of a parody of just the kind of like Hollywood sixties like um, everything's groovy man kind of right. way of being <laughs> yeah. that it at the same time like in, it, it it like encapsulates it purifies like what is so great about it too like like live action scooby-doo or something like that um i don't know it's weird there's so much like that's terrible and just maybe like offensive about it too but i think it's made with such like a pure spirit and joy as just so infectious and i just I just loved it on a rewatch and it only grew on me. So there you go. Would you say that the filmmaking has a fucking opinion and a point of view? Um, Opinion and a point of view. Yes, absolutely. Even if that opinion is who cares about having an opinion when all this is just so much fun. Right. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's original, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting as Roger Ebert's sole writing credit because you go, this is the weirdest, one well, of the weirdest things I've seen, and you just like look at a picture of serious Roger Ebert and just go, <laughs> that th- that man right there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, Roger. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and it's fun hearing about the stories of the writing of it and stuff. All that. Um, cool. Anyway, yeah, it stood up for me. I can't believe you gave this movie a stream. That is for very specific reasons. I know. Which it is. <laughs> and I it was worth having this discussion for me and the only way to do that was to watch it and the only way to watch it would be to stream it. Yeah. Or the only way to watch it would be to not avoid it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, so, oh, which one should I do? I have so many recommendations now. All right, I'll do the book I'm reading. So I'm rereading Dune. Cool. I've always wanted to, I think I tried to read it, but I was too young or just didn't, you know. Yeah, my, my brother who is, was, is, I'm sure he still is. I mean, if he has time, he's, he's one of those dudes who at a very young age was reading a ton and like got very into sci-fi novels and you know at various times he went through different phases like sometimes it was like specifically sci-fi then he jumped into fantasy stuff and whatever and i would kind of grab like he's the guy who introduced me to the hobbit and lord of the rings and stuff like that and like the dragon lance chronicles and he he was the one who had all like I, i don't know if he read all of the dune books but he read probably the first three at least and he was the one who was like at a certain point i think i was about ooh i think i was about 17 and he was like all right here here's dune like you, you you're ready like you like this shit um and he and i would watch you know we we kind of were nerds for the the david lynch movie and everything even though it's got <laughs> shit in it but whatever it's fun um it's got a soundtrack by Toto, I think, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, anyway, so the book, even as a 17-year-old reading it, I was like, this is wild shit. Uh, and I really liked it. But now with like the benefit of age and, and context of the world and like just knowing more and like viewing the world through a different lens as an older person. Whoo, man. Like the shit that is in Dune is nuts. It's commentary is just crazy. It's all, it's got all sorts of wild shit about like how governments work and like colonialized colonialization, colonialization. Is that a word? Whatever. You know, Are you, so you're, you're reading it right now. Yeah, so I'm. I started it. I don't know a week or so ago. I bought it, so I'm like, I'm like hundred pages in already. Maybe when you finish it, I can borrow it because honestly, oh, it was definitely. one I was wanting to read, but the libraries are closed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't want to buy it. You know. No. Yeah, you can definitely. I, I really, really love as here's here's a here's a secondary recommendation. Give your books away. Like I know you want to read them again, but like. Just give them to people to read. Like, maybe they'll return them, maybe they won't. But fucking, I, I feel like I've gained a lot of joy in my life from reading a book and then having somebody be like, you know, is this good? And just handing them the book. You know, like, it just feels good to do that. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, read Dune. So, the, one of the reasons I decided to reread it is because Denis Villeneuve, who's one of my favorite directors, current directors, is doing, he's remaking it into a two-part movie. Yes. So, and has a ridiculous cast. Fucking everybody in it is good. <laughs> cool. And I'm I'm very excited. So excited too. because I think Villeneuve is one of those guys who's going to sort of, he's going to do his homework. You know what I mean? I hope so. I, this better be, I feel like he's made enough movies now. I'm hoping he can make it click for in a way that his other movies haven't. I feel like you could be there yeah. after Blade Runner. Yeah. 
I mean, the Jodowski, Jordowski, is that how you say his name? Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky, Alejand- that's right. Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah, that, the documentary on his version of Dune that never oh, came about is so cool. amazing. And right? I, just, I just feel like because that shit's out there and because Villeneuve is, seems like he's a, he's a, you know, he's a film nerd. He, he, he's... He did the sequel to Blade Runner for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? It's like he obviously has a hard on for fucking that, like just film shit. I I I really really hope and suspect that he's gonna be able to pull some of the Jodorowsky. I can't even say the guy's name. You know, like he's gonna be at least influenced by it a little bit. I hope. Yeah. And I think he'll do his own thing, and I think it'll look amazing. Because I love the look of his movies. So I'm excited. So that's, yeah, Dune. Get into it. Great. All right, Tim. Let's see if I let you down. <laughs> Wait, in what respect? Oh, I turned to pull. Yeah. Oh, Ryan. And meaning how we pull now over. Oh, shit. Uh, over Something how we're pulling. How we're pulling since we're uh, socially distanced here at our respective places over video chat. I tell Tim when to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And stop. Oh, shit. I got like three. Oh, here we go. Fiend without a face. 1958. <laughs> awesome. Honestly, <laughs> it has to be good. It has to be better than what I think will improve. You know what's weird? Um, the movie we just watched takes place in 1958, and now we're going to watch a movie that was made in 1958, and we'll be able to see how inaccurate the one we just watched was. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Because assuming Fiend Without a Face is highly accurate as to reality <laughs> at the time. Well, it'll at least have people who lived in that year. Right. The clothes will be accurate. Maybe not. That. Just the actors and like whatever. They're all going to watch it. They're all going to be wearing khaki shorts. And just... <laughs> they have fucking cargo shorts on. I'm just going to I'm just going to fucking jump off a building. Cargo shorts. No. So I um I'll say this again next week. But um we had like a request that I would, I'd kind of been on my mind too for this next hat pull. I'm like, there's I just want us to kind of see more of like those like 30s, 40s, 50s, just kind of like classic horror movies, you know? So I um I was looking at some top of lists of um James Ralph of Angry Video Game Nerd fame has Cinemasker and he's like a huge horror movie buff and like especially like for this era. So oh, cool. I kind of looked at his top list of the he called them, you know, the golden era, the silver era, the bronze era mm-hmm. of horror. 50 being the silver era. I believe, and um, this was on there. Cool. And one that caught my interest. So Fiend Without a Face. Join us for Fiend Without a Face next week. In the meantime, you can find us wherever you found us the first time and at dismemberinghorror.com. Anything else, Tim? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) No. You know, tweet, tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, talk to us. Email us or Instagram. Like, send DM me on Instagram. I'll have a conversation Actually, that, with you. That's probably the best way. Instagram check the most are on the most. Um, and yeah, if you enjoyed this, our big ask is to tell a friend, a like-minded friend. Yeah, yeah, do it. Great. All right, Tim. I think that's about it. So 
most importantly, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>